The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Friday, February 26th, and we are going to do a little NFL Combine preview with Josh Edwards. If you're watching on YouTube, youtube.com slash pick six, hit that subscribe button. Make sure and turn on alerts so you get notified when we go live with the emergency podcast. There'll be plenty of those during the offseason in particular with free agency. Um, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave us a five-star rating. Spotify just added the ability to do a five-star rating. And if you leave a review with a question in it on Apple with a five-star rating, we will answer it in an upcoming mailbag. DB writes, try to answer it in an upcoming mailbag. No, we will answer it. Unless it's, you know, like something about geopolitical uh, situations occurring across the across the world then we will not answer it if it's about football or life in general we will get to it uh joining me now to talk about the nfl combine great friend of the podcast josh edwards josh what's up buddy things are going well man uh in in the united states um outside as you alluded to is is a little bit more murky but uh we have combine coming up in uh less than two weeks now so excited to dive in on these guys and uh you know really really be able to validate these measurements they're testing with the type of talent that we've seen on film. So the NFL was going to do this bubble thing. And then the prospects are all going to uh, uh, boycott the combine or not boycott it. The agents kind of got together and made sure that Adam Schefter was tweeting out that they were just reassessing their value, reassessing their approach to it. And we're probably just going to do interviews and medical stuff. Um, do we still th- like, where do we stand with these top? Pro- Cause there were 130 top prospects in all. The NFL is going to show a ton of primetime combine action. If 130 prospects decline to do that action, the combine coverage is going to suck. What do you think is going to happen? Like, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the NFL went to some folks and were like, look, you're, you're going to test. 
but you can't make them test at the combine. It's their right to test at the combine where they want to test. And I guess, it, well, yeah. So well, what do you, what do you think is going to happen with these top prospects? I would say they're probably fluid conversations uh, for the reasons that you alluded to. They want to put it in prime time. They want the big elite names to participate in testing and the on-field drills. So they're going to do whatever they can to accommodate what those players need. I think the issue at this point is a lot of the testing and the medicals and the on-field drills and stuff are all done on the same day. Um, And at one point they said that they were going to have limited access to the uh, medical staff, uh, you know, their recovery teams between those two sessions. So, you know, if you don't feel like you're going to be able to put your best foot forward during prime time and to deliver the kind of numbers that the NFL would hope that you do, then maybe you would prefer to, you know, opt out of that setting, maybe do medicals and interviews and go to a more controlled environment. at your pro day where you do have the support of your medical team. Yeah, I would, um, if I was a, if I was a top prospect, of course I would be, you know, if I were a prospect, I would obviously be a top prospect. Um, just kidding. I'm not, I would be like a long snapper or something like that. Um, you know, I, you don't, if you're a top prospect, let's say you're Evan Neal, the presumptive, according to Las Vegas, favorite to go number one overall to the Jaguars. There is no tangible benefit whatsoever to going to the Indianapolis and, and, and working out on the field if you don't have your, the setup that you want. You know, if you're, I don't know, like who's a, what do you have to be? Like a fringe, like a, if you're a fringe first rounder, if you're someone who's in that late first, early second round mix, maybe you could talk yourself into it being beneficial, but you could also sink your draft stock. If you go there and you perform poorly, uh, you know, the, the quarterbacks, I guess you could go throw and it's not that big of a deal, but I mean, these guys could, you know, there's no real separation between the quarterbacks. We'll get to, I, I don't know. I just don't, this class is so, uh, what's the, what's the, what, what, how would you describe, what's the word to describe this class? Clustered. Homogenous. Cluster. Clustered, you know, clustered, where, they're, yeah. where they're all, yeah. Yeah, I like clustered. It's better than homogenous because there's, there's not really – it's just like it's, there's, no, there's no separation between the quarterbacks, really. Right. The, uh, yeah, you have a bunch of off- – it, it just reminds me of 2013, and I'll keep saying this. And I'm not saying it'll be bad, just that it's – you better need – I mean, and everybody needs their line help. But, you know, if you're at the top of the draft, you better not need a quarterback because you're, you're – you know, good luck. Um, so it's it's not even uncharacteristic for players to opt out of certain things during the combine. I mean, we've seen a number of players opt out of the bench press in the past. Um, you know, maybe those quarterbacks don't throw. Maybe that's something that their agents advise them against. We've seen elite prospects, you know, opt out of the combine in the past without these restrictions. So absolutely, it's not totally unreasonable to think that there might be a more elevated number this year. Yeah, I, I'll be curious to see. And look. The NFL has taken the combine, which it was long this you know thing that existed in Indianapolis. It was for draft junkies that aired on you know Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday during the day, and was done by five o'clock. They have turned it into they're taking it out of Indianapolis. So last year it's in Indy. They're going to move it to like L.A. and Dallas. They have uh, they have turned it into a primetime affair, and I get it. You know, you can make money off this. You can make more money by it being in prime time and on ABC. But you took something that was beloved and kind of pure 
and have not, I mean, I'm not pure. I mean, but you know, I mean, like, I mean, it's like, it was sort of a thing for like, you know what I mean? Not beloved yeah. pure. That's a bad way to describe it, but it was like, hell yeah, it's combine season daytime, you know, like, like, like beef up with these draft prospects. And now it's become like a, a primetime showdown for amazing quarterbacks. And it's like one, you don't have them this year Two, you're, you're yanking this thing out of, uh, out of Indy. And then three, it's like, you know, when you put this, when you take this combine and, and attitudes have shifted from these players, you point out Josh about how they handle the combine. When you, when you put it in this big spotlight and as these guys are sort of like, eh, you know, we don't, we don't necessarily know that we need it. Um, you know, you run the risk of, of it blowing up in your face. I, I think the NFL will probably be fine with it, but certainly, you know, if these guys all opt out, it'll, it'll, it'll be kind of messy. Yeah, there's two sides of the coin. You can say that it's a primetime event and the NFL is looking to capitalize monetarily. Uh, the other side is it's good PR for the prospects that do perform, assuming they perform well. Sure. Um, I, you know, I would say that there is definitely some benefit to performing at the, at the combine if you feel uh, that you're going to be able to put your best foot forward because that is a central event where fans, the NFL landscape as a whole has your, has their eyes on you. Uh, where, whereas, you know, the pro days are more scattershot. Maybe, you know, you're, you're sitting at work and you've got your TV on NFL media or CBS sports HQ or whatever outlet uh, you watch and you're able to catch some of these, you know, highlights from pro days and stuff like that. But you kind of miss the the forest part of it, which is you're not able to see this player stacked up against, you know, like a, a guy from Michigan stacked up against a guy against Florida or whatever it may be. You're able to have everybody in the same environment on an equal playing field. Every year we talk about were they actually marking the 40 yard dash off at 38 yards Right. Uh, do they have a fast turf? Was it raining there that day? In Indianapolis, you have more of a controlled environment where, as NFL talent evaluators, you're able to stack prospect A against prospect B and actually get some firm, concrete answers on who you feel these players are on tape. Yeah, and, and a lot of two. That, no, that's a great point. I mean, you're, you know, you are, if you are Malik Willis, your pro day is Liberty's pro day. It is, you know, it will get aired it's not going to draw as much attention as Alabama's pro day, right? Just by the nature of how that works. And the other thing too, is for as much as we say, Oh, the combine drills don't necessarily matter. Like a 40 time, uh, but it's not that important. You got to run a really fast 40 time and you can move up draft boards. You know, DK Metcalf did a bad three cone drill. And he, you know, he's like, Oh, this guy's a second rounder. He can't turn. Um, yeah, we do. I mean, like it's true. We do take into account what happens at the combine. Uh, I, I just think that, one of the other factors too is that because it used to be where you know everybody needed to go to a centralized location in order to find out who the prospects were. At this point, it's like I mean, you know, there's no offense, but I mean, like you know, there's a whole there's five billion draft analysts out there, like draft specific analysts, uh, and you guys all do a great job. But it's like you know, you you know who like Ryan Wilson is 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 prepared right now to do a six round mock draft if he has to or seven round mock draft and. Like he, you know, everybody, it's not he, like he'd, he'd have something to say about it, but yeah, he wouldn't, he'd be like, why now my pre combine mock draft? Are you nuts? Um, yeah, he wouldn't be thrilled about it, but like, you know, it used to be there were, you know, it was like Mel Kuyper knew everybody and that was it. Right. Or like, you know, uh, you know, Rick Gosselin knew all the draft. Now it's there. It is an entirely like almost separate industry 
and maybe that's why it's okay to move it out of Indy. It, it, it will take away some of the the charm of of everybody being able to gather in the same place for sure. But um, I'm waxing. Well, it's like it's like the NFL draft itself. You know, it was in Radio Music City Hall for yeah. You know, all those years, and then we start moving it around to different locations, and we get these cool atmospheres like what we were able to experience in Nashville. Yeah. Um, you know, with the Titans being the host there. Uh, Cleveland, I wish they had had a, a better opportunity, you know, to, uh, Vegas, to put their best foot forward. Yeah. Vegas, you know, it's Vegas is going to be a tourism, uh, trap in itself. So that's going to be a party party altogether. Yeah. I mean, they, that's fair. I mean, look, the NFL, they, they, they moved around the draft and they're like, this is, you know, even though it's not as, it's not as good for the like media purposes and you know, it was definitely better for fan purposes. And that's probably what they're going to do with the combine as well, because they like to make money. Anywho. Um, so we, like, if you had to get, like, if you, if you had to guess what, I mean, like how, what percentage of, let's say the top 100 prospects, what percentage of them decide to bail on it? Yeah, it would be purely speculation, yeah, but um, I'd say, I'd say maybe 50%, wow, you know, of, okay. of the top 100, you know, what, what do you have to gain if you don't feel like uh, it's an equal setting against your competitors? Okay. All right. That would be interesting. Kenny Pickett is one of the top quarterbacks in this draft class. Pittsburgh guy. What, uh, what is his hand? I, I know hand size is, is dumb, but it, you know, it doesn't matter. A lot of people think that hand size is, I mean, you know, like there's a lot of, there's not very many small handed quarterbacks performing well. I guess Joe Burrow had his hand size uh, scrutinized. What is Kenny Pickett's hand size going to be? Has he been stretching his hands out via, uh, various methods like uh, who was it who did that a few years ago? Um, was it Brandon Allen? There's there's some quarterback who showed up with his hands like two and a half inches bigger than they were before, the, like the combine or something. Um, do you think it'll be south of nine inches? And will this be a major talking point? You mentioned the the threshold there of nine inches. That's kind of what the NFL goes by traditionally. Um, there it was, it was Brandon Allen, by the way. Okay, yeah, so. There's been some some scuttle that it could be eight and a quarter, eight and a half, um, you know, and depending on how you feel about that, it probably varies by who you ask. Um, you know, I didn't see it impact his play on the field other than him wearing two gloves at Pittsburgh. He obviously had a fantastic season this year. Yep. Um, there will be more traditionally, you know, minded general managers, talent evaluators that feel like it's a major problem because those outliers are a danger. You know, if, if you try to talk yourself into a prospect being something that no one else has ever been, um, then you're playing in dangerous territory. You know, if that fails, if that backfires, then all of these people are going to have this hand size measurement saying, see, you know, like those thresholds are in place for a reason. Um, so it's a, it could go either way. It just kind of depends how each individual team approaches it. But you know, the fact that sub nine inches just has not had any success in the NFL uh, is a bit concerning. And maybe that's because of weather. Um, you know, maybe you play in a dome, maybe you play against some hot tempered environments, but um, there's going to be settings where you're playing in cold, rainy, dreary, snowy, even icy, you know, conditions. That's the NFL. We talk about Derek Carr and um, the streak that he had for a while about not being overly successful in cold climates, you know, does that kind of a talking point arise for a prospect dealing with 
um, that kind of a hand size. Again, it hasn't impacted Pickett playing in Pittsburgh, which is not sunny Florida or uh, arid Arizona, but, um, you know, it's going to be a talking point, regardless of whether it should be or not, it is going to be a talking point. Mm. Love a good hand size chatter or like somebody's face. Remember when uh, Prisco thought that Sam Donald had a, he's going to have a face for football. It's like, I mean, maybe you're right after all. That's like ridiculous. Like a bit of a face for football. What are we talking about here, pal? Um, All right. So really quickly on the other quarterbacks, do you expect to see Malik Willis? um, Who who else? Oh, Sam Howell. Jeez. Uh, Do you expect, do you expect to see these guys uh, work out at the combine? And and do you have any thoughts on them in general? Just because we haven't talked to you in a while. So I think Matt Corral uh, would obviously be one that stands to gain a lot. Um, and he, what, do think, what do you think about Matt Corral, 10 to one first quarterback drafted? Well, when you consider that really any one of these, you know, five quarterbacks has a realistic chance to be the for, first quarterback taken. I think that's fantastic value, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I already, but, I already bet. I bet, I bet that and I bet Malik Willis plus 150, just because I think if you can get Malik Willis at a plus number before the yeah. combine, like it, just for, I mean, if Malik Willis works out, He's going to he's going to come out of the combine more unless he just is a total egg throwing the football. He sh- you'd think he'd come out of the combine as the number one or like sort of the t- not the consensus top guy, but a guy who raises his stock pure on, purely on athleticism. Yeah, for all of these guys, we talk about their arms, whether it's arm strength, whether it's accuracy. With Malik Willis, he's got that trump card, which is his legs. You know his mobility. Um, you know he's a bit more of a strider, kind of like Michael Vick had been back in the day, but. Um, he's always going to have that in his back pocket, which is what allowed Josh Allen to be, um, you know, successful early in his career. That kind of gave him some time to develop as a passer. And, and again, that's kind of an outlier. It's, it's a little bit dangerous to say that he's going to be a, a Josh Allen type player when historically that just hasn't happened. I mean, Josh Allen is an anomaly. Josh, and Josh, Josh Allen is the outlier. <laughs> he is the, he is the outlier. So there's the danger in, in chasing those comparisons yet again, but, um, as a quarterback, as the, the quarterback class as a whole, you know, it's been very well discussed that it doesn't stack up well to last year's group. Um, you know, you've got some players that I think could be serviceable starters in the NFL. Um, a lot of them I wouldn't feel comfortable putting in there on day one. But Matt Corral, you know, he operated in this RPO kind of offense, quick decision making. I thought he showed that he could attack the field at all three levels. He suffered that injury um, in their bowl game, and, you know, he's been working to get back from that. I, I know when we talked to him on uh, the Pick 6 YouTube feed, um, he was optimistic that he was going to be ready in time to perform. But, you know, with the current state of conversations, I, I wonder if maybe that's different. Maybe he just opts to give it a little bit more time and, and perform at the Ole Miss Pro Day. But uh, he's my number one quarterback at this point. Depending on who you talk to, you might get a different answer, five different answers. Um, Kenny Pickett. Right, so Corral is your, currently your number one quarterback. He is, yeah. Oh. I, I, I think Malik Willis offers the most upside sure. um, because of the mobility. But I think Matt Corral, just with his improved decision-making, his accuracy, his ability to push the ball to all three levels has um, been impressive to me. Sam Howell, I thought would have been in that uh, pole position at the start of the season, but I mean, the way that gracious. the way that he started the year was a little bit concerning. And I know everybody loves his leadership, and they say, "Well, he lost a lot of talent in Chapel Hill, but 
you know, you're walking into a setting possibly where you're not going to be surrounded by, um, you know, a situation like what Cincinnati had this year where you have three, you know, top tier wide receivers. You might go to a situation. Um, let's see. Jacksonville is a bad example, but let's say Houston, you know, Houston's probably going to stick with Davis Mills, but let's say they do take a quarterback and suddenly you're throwing the ball to Nico Collins um, and Brandon cooks, if he's still there and little else, I mean, he's not going to have the type of talent that he had in Chapel Hill last year. So that's, yeah, that's an excuse, but does that mean he's going to be successful in the NFL? No, I don't, I don't think so. So. No, I was going to say, it's like, it's like you can say, well, he lost all this NFL talent, and that's why he wasn't as good at Chapel Hill. It's like, well, but to your point, what if he's on an untalented right. team? I mean, yeah, it, it, you're not gonna you're not gonna have comp, you're not gonna have talent that's like substantially better than the rest of your division or your league, guaranteed when you get drafted. Right, right. So at that point, you know, maybe you're talking about a a middle of the tier, a middle tier starter that you know, relies on having that supporting cast around him. He's, he's got a great arm. Um, he has better mobility than people probably give him credit for, but he does have to take that uh, part of his game where he's taking unnecessary hits it's, away. It's, he, it's crazy, man. He runs into, he runs into contact. Yeah. And it's unsustainable. I mean, we saw what happened with Carson Wentz. Um, so that would be one of the concerns there, but uh, then you're talking about Cincinnati's Desmond Ritter. You're talking about Carson strong from Nevada. Um, somebody that I'm probably forgetting off the top of my head here, but, um, yeah, those would be the guys that are in the conversation to be that first quarterback taken. But again, for me, Matt Corral is my number one, although I don't have first round grades on any of them. Okay. Yeah. I I mean, you don't want to be a team that has to take a quarterback in this draft. That's for sure. All right. Let's look at three cone drills from edge rushers. I, this is clearly a topic that Debo came up with, something he's interested to see at the um, at the combine. No, this is a uh, it, it is you know three cone drill has sort of become the default most important uh, workout at the at the combine. I think it's replaced. I feel like we've we've advanced far enough where it's replaced the forty yard dash because people understand that it's you know shows shows immediate quickness, lateral quickness more burst, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas 40 is just, can you get moving and, and run fast in a straight line? Uh, what do you want to see from these edge rushers uh, in particular, uh, some of the top guys? Yeah. So you're testing flexibility, you're testing burst, change of direction, all that kind of stuff. Um, working around the cones with edge rushers, you, you know, you want to see first step quickness. You want to see them bend around the edge. Um, you know, it measure, measures their flexibility, like I said. So for a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, who I think is often labeled as maybe limited athletically, uh, and that would be far from the truth. Right. There are some questions to be answered about his mobility and his change of direction, um, his you know quick twitch nature. So I think some of that is going to be borne out in the three three cone drill. Same with George Karloff is from Purdue, a guy that I feel like is is often uh, typecast is. Um, you know, this hard worker that, you know, knows how to use his hands, he's strong, all of this kind of stuff, but he is a better athlete than people give him credit for. So um, both of those guys, most would assume are probably going to test a little bit lower in the three cone drill. Um, I'm hoping that they test very well uh, and that they validate their status as top 10 caliber players in this draft class. I, I have no doubt that, that Hutchinson will, and I'm, you know, 
I, I'd like to think that Karloftis is in that bucket as well. But uh, Karloftis kind of under the is he where does he rate in terms of um, like overall is he is he like the number three pass rusher? Okay, he is. He is for me. Um, again, one of those more volatile prospects. Like for me, he's a top 10 player, but some yeah, I, heard, I heard some other people saying top 10. I was like, wow, I didn't realize yeah. he was. And I saw Wilson had him at like 30 or like maybe 25 or something like that in his latest mock. Yeah, I'm a little bit higher on him than Wilson and, and uh, Traps are at this point. But a guy that's just a really mature pass rusher, he knows how to use his hands. Again, I'm buying into that cliche there, but um, a hard worker down the line. He's a guy that's going to fight through those double teams. He's going to take on those um lead blocks and you know blow up a play that kind of stuff um and a guy that again has better athleticism than he's often given credit for so uh in production back to his true freshman season so you know a track record of, of production um kingsley anigbari from south carolina is a guy that's you know in that same bucket a guy that uh is probably a little bit athletically limited but just has been a consistent performer for the gamecocks um, you know, Jermaine Johnson, I think is a guy that has really impressed me through his senior bowl workouts, showed more burst around the edge. Um, again, I think people are probably not expecting him to test that well. I think he's going to have a better 40 time than people probably expect. Trayvon Walker from Georgia, I think has the most to gain at the edge rusher position because mm-hmm. he was, he's in a top, he's in the top 10 projection for Daniel Jeremiah of NFL media, um, ahead I of all that. I think he had him ahead of Kayvon Thibodeau. So you're seeing kind of this narrative uh, behind the scenes among talent evaluators that feel Trayvon Walker is going to test very well, um, maybe in the mold of, of Rashawn Gary uh, that tested very well for, you know, tremendous size and solidified himself as, you know, a, an early teens pick. Um, and by the, way, by the way, DJ had uh, Trayvon Walker fifth and Kayvon Thibodeau eighth. But he wouldn't have done that if he had to sit. And uh, then he had Jermaine Johnson ninth. But he wouldn't have done that if he had some of the set with Ray Lewis and Kayvon Thibodeau. Say it, say it in my face. <laughs> yeah, I heard about. I heard about that. Um, yeah, Wilson, Wilson moved him up live on the spot. Like, hold on. Hold on. But that's that. That's a warranted conversation because I think Trayvon Walker is a better player at this stage than Rashawn Gary was. So uh, you saw what Rashawn Gary tested um, at the combine, and it really helped his draft stock. I think Trayvon Walker, you know, could could follow in that in his footsteps. Um, so just a really talented edge rusher class and not even touching on the guys that are probably given a lot of credit for being athletic, which is Minnesota's Boye Mafe, uh, Western Kentucky's D'Angelo Malone. You've got David Ajabo from Michigan. Um, so there's this narrative of limited athletes first, fantastic athletes. And the best part about the NFL combine will is we get to the, uh, we get to an equal setting where these guys can all perform and we actually get some answers as to, you know, who's maybe not as limited as we thought, um, who has some issues that we didn't realize that kind of stuff. Yeah. Cause college football inherently, you know, the, the, the there's no, there's not an even playing field for these teams, you know, like the, you know, Oregon might have, you know, weak offensive lines in the pack 12 or pack 10 or whatever, pack 12, whatever it is. And then, you know, meanwhile, you know, Trayvon Walker's dealing with, you know, sec offensive lines. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, what trades could pop up in Indianapolis? All right, Josh, so we have, in theory, I don't think it'll happen, but Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, Carson Wentz, like every Jimmy Garoppolo, there's trades out there that could happen. What are you, what are you expecting the buzz to and And, and remember last year, was there, 
was there was the combine normal last year? No, right? No, no. Two years ago, it was it was normal. Not last. All right. So two, last year there wasn't even a combine. Correct. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. 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 So two years ago the combine happened and then the world stopped. Yep. Right. Um, so last year you didn't have the same sort of buzz about players, buzz about trades, all that stuff coming out of the combine because there wasn't a combine or right. I mean, now this year we're going to, we're, you know, we could hear some buzz coming out, right? I would think so. I, this is uh, the start of silly season, um, which is that you start hearing all of this chatter about stuff that may or may not happen. Um, I think back to a couple of years ago before New York traded Odell Beckham Jr. to the Browns, uh, NFL media got this image of Dave Gettleman uh, sitting in the stands next to then Browns general manager John Dorsey. uh, And everybody was led to the conclusion that, you know, maybe they're talking about a potential trade for Odell Beckham, which ultimately (laughs) came to fruition. But again, that that whole sentence kind of embodies what the NFL is. You've got then then Giants general manager, Dave Gettleman, then Browns general manager, John Dorsey. Um, and John, Odell Beckham is not on either one of those teams. Um, <laughs> and they're not on either one of those teams either. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's it's crazy how quickly the, the NFL world works. But sure. um, yeah, I'm looking to see what kind of buzz comes out at the NFL Combine because that's, again, uh, you know, we talk about equal footing for these NFL draft prospects. It's also a congregation of, NFL decision makers, NFL talent evaluators, and they're having conversations. Um, You know, you can be out and about at dinner and see Mike Vrabel sitting down with, um, you know, whoever, Sean McVay, you know, it doesn't matter. You you see that kind of stuff when you're out to dinner. You see insane stuff in Indianapolis. Like just, I mean, you'll be like, Oh my God. Like there's um, like, we saw uh, one time Andy Benoit and I were now, who's now Super Bowl champion, Andy Benoit uh, now at the Rams were, we're walking around and trying to, um, it was freezing and we we're trying to go meet somebody, some NFL person. And we were like, we had to stop. We, we stopped in a Hooters because it was so cold outside. I was like, Andy, I, I was like, I'm freezing. I need a beer. Like, I, like I'm, we've been walking forever. He's like, all right, let's pop in his Hooters and see what's going on. We get in there and it's John Gruden and Mike Shanahan are like pounding Coors lights. And we're like, what? Like uh, Hooters? What are we, you really went to Hooters? Are you serious? Um, I guess we were in Hooters too. But, but yes, the point being is you'll spy all kinds of crazy stuff in Indy. And now with, and I think that the, the city has reason, not reasonably lax. Not, they don't have aggressive COVID restrictions in place there should be plenty of mingling amongst NFL media, NFL personnel, people, um, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, I would, and the one we talked about it with Sully yesterday or on, uh, on Wednesday, excuse me, the, um, the Jimmy Garoppolo deal is interesting because if they can get a deal done before if they get a deal in place before the new league year starts, they can more easily execute free agent moves because they would know that they have this like $25 million in cap space freed up. So I would think that the 49ers will be in uh, Indianapolis aggressively attempting to start conversations about Jimmy Garoppolo. Calvin Ridley is another one that we oh, that's a good one. Yeah. heard some trade wins about, um, you know, obviously don't know the situation in which he walked away from the team this past year, but there has been a lot of scuttlebutt that uh, maybe he's on, on the trading block this off season. Um, yeah, I mean, there's another a, a number of options, but I think that's what is exciting about the combine. It's not even so much what's happening on the field is what we see off the field. Oh yeah, way more exciting what happens 
off the field at the combine. Uh, what uh, we'll get out of here on this. What when you think about uh, possible breakout performances that we could see at the combine? Who are some who are some names that? Be, and I think this is a pretty pretty good uh, opportunity for breakout performances because. There are just guys that there's not a ton of known, well-known guys at this combine. Who are some breakout performances we could see? Yeah, so I have to start with Trayvon Walker, who is um, kind of a hybrid edge rusher, defensive tackle, you know, depending on the situation type player. Uh, six foot four, 275 pounds, probably is going to run, um, probably is going to run better than what many people expect at his size. Uh, so I think he has a lot to gain, you know, for the reasons that we've already discussed on this podcast, if he's able to get in that Rashawn Gary, uh, stratosphere, then at that size, he's going to help himself immensely. So, um, that's obviously one Evan Neal from Alabama is already being discussed as a potential number one overall pick, but, uh, I think there's a shot for him to remind people about how good he, uh, how athletic that he is Really, because, you know, we saw that box jump last year where, you know, he was, he could have jumped over a human being. Um, <laughs> it was just absurd, but you know, it, it doesn't really translate on film. You don't really see that on film. So I think this is an opportunity for him uh, to potentially remind people about what he's bringing to the table. Boye Mafe is a guy that I mentioned earlier among that edge rusher class that, um, you know, has been really impressive on film, a guy that is not susceptible to, uh, getting beat in the run game. He's capable of dropping into coverage. He's bendy around the edge. He's got good top end speed, uh, really good player, but someone that fans are really not that familiar with in the draft community at this point. I think there's probably an opportunity for him to uh, create some positive buzz for himself in Indianapolis. On Evan Neal, um, do you think there is a chance that, so from a betting perspective, he is currently just double check and make sure it hadn't moved. He, it was two and a half to one last week is come down to like plus plus one thirty or plus plus one fifty to be the first overall pick. Um, he is. Yeah. And uh, my boy, Icky is going back up to four to one. Neil is plus one twenty seven. If you were just in, if you were going to set, so, so Neil plus like basically even money, Icky four to one. Thibodeau four and a half to one and Aiden Hutchinson. Wow. Plus one fifty to go first overall. If you were going to reset those odds coming out of the combine, how would you sort of reset it? Like, do you, like, in other words, because I'm not I'm putting you on the spot here, but I, I guess I'm wondering, like, do you think Evan Neal will be like minus one fifty? like he'll do so well, or will Hutchinson keep it close enough that it won't move that? Cause these, these odds are all reactionary based entirely on performance and, and if there's any, you know, whispers, et cetera. Um, if you had to guess, what, what, where would you sort of build out those odds? Yeah, under the caveat that they all perform, um, I would say, I would say probably, I might lean towards Aiden Hutchinson, honestly, really? maybe, maybe overtaking him um, a little bit and then Evan Neal. And then I'd probably have Thibodeau just because of his upside. And then Aquanu. Um, I don't think I would be inclined to take that value with Neil right now. Okay. Just because free agency hasn't happened. I mean, they could sign Teron Armstead. Exactly what I was going to say. And then and, all of a sudden, Neil goes back to like three and a half to one, and you can grab him then. 
Exactly. So I think Jacksonville is a great fit for Toronto Armstead. I think Miami is another team that could possibly be in the mix. I know Breach doesn't feel like Cincinnati should be a big player there right. uh, with more needs along the interior offensive line. So those te- teams are are possibly in the mix. And if Jacksonville signs him, uh, then those those odds are going to take a little bit of a hit. So I, I would not jump on that value for Neil right now. Um, but I think if, if they go through free agency and they don't get an offensive tackle, I would, I would probably be putting money on Neil. It, well, if that doesn't happen, then Neil is going to be like minus 300. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. I was just, I, I, that's a good answer to it because I was just curious if you thought that Neil would perform so well that he would just shoot ahead. But I, I agree with you completely on free agency. If they sign Armstead, it may indicate they love Hutchinson and they want to pair Hutchinson with Josh Allen and that that's how they want. And let's not forget that Trent Balky. Drafted mostly defensive guys early on in his in, in San Francisco. I think he only had one offensive guy in the draft. And Doug Peterson, while an offensive guy who will certainly want to help out Trevor Lawrence, might not think that a you know a first year offensive lineman can protect Trevor Lawrence's blind side, and that signing to Ron Armstead and, at, and remember the Eagles won because they had a great pass rush. You know, so I don't think it's crazy at all that they might come to the conclusion let's get another pass rusher and we can really wreak havoc on on opposing. I mean, Josh Allen, Aiden Hutchinson would be a problem. You know. Um, yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. And we saw in the Super Bowl, you know, just earlier this month, how how problematic it can be to have two edge rushers like Aaron Donald and Von Miller. I'm not saying that either one of those players um, are in the same stratosphere as Von Miller or right. Aaron Donald, but you need pass rush, uh, man. two very accomplished players in their own right. So as you're looking to build strengths on your team, that has to be taken into consideration. All right. Awesome stuff. Anything else you uh, you want to you want to want us to look forward to for the combine? Got a lot of. A lot of, lot of, I, I don't know this draft class at all. And I don't know if that's a byproduct of me just, I, I, I don't know if it's, I don't think it's me not paying attention. I think it's the draft. It's just a very like, it's also the schedule because everybody is coming to the table a week later. True. Um, in the process. And, you know, there's not even this time between the Super Bowl and free agency to discuss the draft anymore. Everybody's minds immediately go to free agency and who can my team sign? Uh, to close the gap on the Rams or the Bengals, as it were. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think the NFL calendar has subconsciously forced a lot of us to adapt, but that's what we're hoping to learn in the combine is to get a better feel for who these, you know, sus- who, who these top suspects are to be taken early in the 2022 NFL draft. All right. Good stuff as always, buddy. Josh Edwards. Is it, uh, is it, what is it on Twitter? At John. Edwards CBS. And that's what I thought. I couldn't remember if there's a J in there or not. At Edwards CBS on Twitter. Make sure and check out his mock drafts. Read him on CBSSports.com. Thanks as always, buddy. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, 
There's joy in every journey. 